0: This is Justin Overdorf of Lightspeed Venture Partners. And I'm panicked about water damage in my house.
1: You have a nickname? Oh, I had a lot of nicknames, no, but one. I'm not going to tell you any of them because no, you're going to start keeping. Remember that time I got back from the doctor's office and I told her what what she called me, and you called me that for a year afterwards. No, no I, I don't remember. Oh, that's good. All right, you crazy Swede. So Canute, who never talks about himself, we can't get him to talk about himself, and it's hurting the show. The ratings are dropping. <laughs> People want more Canute, and I can't get you to say anything. <laughs> Traumatic childhood. So it's a good day to be alive. Just saying that we're on, we started the show while COVID was raging. We were scared to even, we were scared to hug. We never do anyway. Our physical relationship fizzled. (laughs) 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 And we're about to get our own new studio, right? If it all comes through. Yeah. That's pretty exciting. I know. It's very exciting. Mm -hmm. Just I'm ready to quit. (laughs) uh, Anyways. So we're 170-ish show episodes in. That's a lot of work. That's 170 hours of me listening. So my therapist, every time I go to my therapist, she goes, you need to listen more. I said, have you heard my fucking podcast? I barely talk. (laughs) So speaking of barely, speaking of therapy, I don't even have a segue because I I don't have a segue for this fellow. His name is Justin Overdorf, which is German for this is my first podcast. I think that's what the interpretation is. And I've never met an Overdorf. There was a Dorfman in Animal House. I think it was Dorf. So I don't, we, we, we don't care LGBTQ Germans. We don't care on, on panic with friends. We're neutral. We're, we're podcast neutral. We have no prejudices. By the way, I watched a Dave Chappelle podcast. Have you watched it? No, oh I haven't. God, he's just on so many layers pulling jokes. I <laughs> yeah, can't even I tell if he's making up the story, or if it's true. And it's just, <laughs> he's at another level. I will have to check that out. yeah He basically did a one hour show that there was no real jokes. It was just a story within a story within a story. I mean, what <laughs> a level that that guy's reached. You know, we're lucky to have guys like that. As much as he's polarizing some people, uh we are lucky to have someone like that and who's willing to uh, go to the third rail. And, Very okay, true. speaking of third rail, now I have a segue. Stripe, they are becoming a first rail. Stripe is probably the biggest company that nobody's ever heard of. Of course, if you're in fintech, you've heard of Stripe. And if you've bought something online, you've used Stripe. And um, they're not a mysterious company at all. They're very public, even though they're private. uh, The two brothers, the Collison brothers who started are not shy. I wouldn't say they're cavalier or outgoing. They're just very front and center, at the center of this fintech revolution, creating part of it. And so, my friend Justin, who's joining us, was there for about five years. He joined Stripe, Knut. He joined them in 2015 to lead BizDev and strategic partnerships, where he successfully built a team of partnership professionals that executed some of Stripe's largest and most profitable strategic deals, including relationships with WooCommerce, Zero out of uh, New Zealand, Amazon, I think I've heard of them, and Facebook. And then while Stripe, Justin incubated several new areas of business innovation, including Stripe's entry into small business lending with the launch of Stripe Capital and the launch of Stripe's issuing platform. Genius products. In 2019, Justin changed roles to lead deals for Stripe's M&A, an investing practice to deploy Stripe's balance sheet capital for strategic acquisitions and investments in early stage technology companies. Previous to Stripe, Justin was uh, corp dev and business dev team at Yelp, Uh, executing the same thing, key partnerships with Amazon, Samsung, Nokia, T-Mobile. But now, after a great run at Stripe, which we we can talk about, because it's it's a company that people need to understand how how they've helped the Internet, he's at light speed. Didn't know that was happening. And what's exciting is we're in our first deal together, which we'll talk about, called Pay It Off a Michigan guy, Bobby Matson, And Justin and I are on the cap table. And by the time this show announced we'll have announced a, a series A with a great group of people. And we'll talk about that a little bit, how Stripe and the ancillary business and how he sees the world post Stripe. And so let's uh, get him on the horn. You got it. Justin. Hey,
0: Howard, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Where are you today? in In New York? I am in the great state of New Jersey. I live in Montclair, New Jersey, uh, a little bit outside of Manhattan. Yep.
1: And you are panicked about, and I told you, you're fucked. And we're going to probably pipe my wife in here to talk about how fucked you are, because we had a water leak as well. And all I can say to you is, you know, good luck. I mean, I've been, I'm not even on the other side of mine. It's been a 12 months. You know, finding the water leak is is one thing. I think you're almost there, but just getting the contractors and doing this stuff right. I feel for you because I've been living with tape and cardboard and uh, no master bath for about 12 months. And through no fault of my own. I mean, I always uh, flush, uh, floss, and yet we had a water leak, Canute. And and I try not to shower very (laughs) And or brush my teeth. And yet we still had a water lake. So Justin, I don't know what to tell you other than I feel for you. That's a horrible, horrible thing. And it's something to be panicked about. And let's move on. Sorry. I, hopefully I didn't wreck your day, but I have to be honest with my guests.
0: No, no, I, I appreciate it. I mean, I hope we're not 12 months, uh, you know, um, waiting for, for this to be solved. Because if that happens, I think uh, my, my wife will, will certainly lose, uh, lose her mind. But, um, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll get there slowly, I
1: think. If you beat 12 months, please let me know so I can hang it over my wife's head and say, what the oh, fuck well. is going on? Why did it take 12 months? Not that she should be in charge of all this, but, you know, <laughs> she offered. So let's talk about from toilets to fintech. That's what I do here. Segways. So tell me how Stripe recruited. Like, how did you know that it was the time to move on to Stripe?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of a, a rather um, out of the blue, you know, situation. I mean, I was I was at Yelp, you know, working with a great team, doing biz dev and corp dev work. Um, we had recently acquired you know, uh, E24, which is a great, you know, acquisition. We were doing some really interesting, exciting stuff on the partnership front with deals with Amazon um, and Apple and, and things like that. And it sort of was one of those things where um, I actually just uh, kind of got pung by a recruiter who said, listen, you know, we're looking for experienced BD professionals, you know, that, that uh, have built teams. And so I spent uh, some time kind of researching Stripe at the time. I didn't know anything about online payments um, uh, I had an inkling, you know, a, a level of interest on financial technology, just from my, from a personal perspective, but didn't know anything about payments specifically. And I spent, you know, a couple of weeks, um, recruiting with the team, you know, met people like Christina Cordova, uh, Billy Alvarado, and then certainly the Carlson brothers. And, and, um, you know, was really impressed by everything that I, um, you know, kind of inter- interacted with and was sold on, you know, the concept of increasing the GDP of the internet. And so I joined. So that is
1: their. That's a great mission, right?
0: Yeah, it really is.
1: That's that's our podcast to create the GDP of of nonsense. That's 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 going to be our. <laughs> we already <mission>. done that.
0: <laughs> so hang, <on. laughs> but now we have a mission. Thank God. I, I joke about that though. Genius. I mean, it's it's the GDP of the internet concept. It's such a. I mean, when I'm talking to founders, actually, it's a really interesting concept that it's such a simple. Oh my god, um, I love it. Sort of like mission, and but but it's such a big idea. And that sort of like hero moonshot idea uh, is really the North star for the company in everything that they do. And so as a result, it makes it really easy, frankly, like that that statement, that phrase is what everybody in the company revolves their decision making around. And I think it's, it makes it really easy to kind of align the ships. Unbelievable.
1: No wonder. So, so when you joined, it was maybe one or two billion. What do you think it was? Uh, it was three and a half billion. So $3.5 and, and in 2015, $3.5 was a fucking, I mean, forget today's prices. 2015, $3.5 was a stretch. So was there any point you were like, how am I going to make money? Like, if I go and take the risk here, or the more work you did, the more you're like, I don't care. This is a great opportunity.
0: Yeah, I mean, so I, I certainly, because I didn't know a lot of the payments, I started doing a lot of research and reached out to many people that I would consider mentors and, and started to try to get intelligent about what the opportunity in front of Stripe was and I, I, it was interesting that I got very um, sort of bipolar answers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you got some people that are like, look, payments is a commoditized business. Uh, margins go to zero. How can this be, you know, a great business? Um, you know, at $3 billion, it's already overvalued. And you had other folks that were much more optimistic and I think much more um, kind of big picture thinkers and thought about how there is this secular trend that we've been talking about now for, you know, 10 plus years of commerce moving from an offline, you know, default mode to rotating over to online. And, you know, today I think, you know, e-commerce is barely penetrated in the overall commerce by, I think it's like, you know, maybe 15%, 18%. uh, And so there's still so much room to run. Um, and so that, that trend and that kind of, uh, win behind the sales is still there. And so, you know, I, I, think making the, um, making the bet was, I think in hindsight, it sounds rather easy, but it certainly was a big question for me. When for I
1: sure. I remember talking about it and I was like, I, I have some friends who interviewed at the CFO level at four or five billion and they were just like, nah, I, I don't get it. And really smart people from banking sector, not to name names, but I will, uh, if I have to, um, so you make the move. You're a power couple because you're the missus is at Plaid?
0: Yeah, she joined Plaid uh, about two years after I joined Stripe.
1: Wow. You may be the most powerful fintech couple in the world, unless, unless one of the Collisons married a fintech person. Um, so what the hell? You guys must be the most boring people. You tell me you don't talk about fintech at home. Is there a rule that says the Overdorfs can't talk about fintech?
0: Yeah, we don't really talk about it. I mean, it's, it's certainly uh, it's not something that that becomes a dinner dinner conversation. Although there are some funny kind of you know stories um, about you know the two of us working on things that ended up being maybe mildly competitive, or at least Plaid was doing one thing and I, and we were working on something, and you know it so happened a couple of weeks later where we end up being able to talk about it. We realized that you know we were maybe potentially trying to vie for the same type of opportunity in some way. So there's always interesting, fun stories like that. Um, but no, I mean, look, we're 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 a normal married couple. I think we're certainly heavily, uh, you know, invested and over rotated on fintech. So if, if this whole thing is a big sham, we're screwed.
1: Yeah, if there was a fantasy app for marriage, <laughs> if there was a fantasy app for marriages. You're the water like swung odds on the overdorfs to like a minus one forty. I don't even know what that number means. I just like saying minus one forty on the odds, and I'll have Ryan Spoon check that out for me, but um, if you guys can get through the water lake, I, I, I feel like, I mean fintech's easy, you're both in fintech, it's a fintech bubble, blah 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 blah. I mean, you're sailing through life, the two of you but the the water lake is exciting This is and I say this as, a, as someone who doesn't want to see you guys break up, but uh, as an odds person uh, I feel really bad the uh, show Stripe Now's You've 90 billion. What, what's your best guesstimate that what the people, the internets, are saying the valuation is?
0: Uh, the last public round was 95 billion. And I think, you know, there's rumors of we've seen things like tweets and certain stories come out where I think secondaries are trading, you know, upwards of 150, sometimes a little bit more, 150 billion. Um, but, you know, that that's, uh, you know, those are transactions that are happening behind the scenes. So it's hard to really put a pin on any, any of it.
1: Yeah. Canute. Just wrote down your phone number. He has a couple of big real estate opportunities. <laughs> Got some dollar signs in my eyes right now. <laughs> yeah. So these are big numbers. The the so congratulations on spotting an opportunity. And and I have to say I can't remember what I would have told you other than maybe go with your instincts because you have good instincts. But you know catching a company at three billion for a th- we talked about it.
0: You probably don't remember it. Uh, did I say anything positive? I hope. Yeah, no. You, we we talked about it. We talked about it at um, I, I can't remember whether which name, but it was either Lindsay Palooza or Stocktoberfest. Right, was when the conversation happened, and I asked you. It was actually you'll love this. It was the year that the Robin Hood founders were presenting at in in the bar So man, That was two thousand
1: fourteen. Okay.
0: Yep. So it's two thousand fourteen, and, and did I give you good advice? Hopefully. Yeah, I mean, you your statement that you made, if I remember correctly, was you you basically just said, look. There is so many interesting things happening in fintech, broadly, in big picture, and that if I wanted to go work on something for 10 years that was really interesting, that was you know unknown, but had very, very high asymmetric upside, that making that bet was probably a good move. That's basically what you said.
1: I rarely give the applause. It's the first time I've given the applause to myself <laughs> 170 episodes. So, you, thank you. You're welcome. I gave good advice. Now I feel guilty because I think I'm giving him good water leak advice and I don't feel the outcome is, is as exciting as stripes. So please don't tell your wife what I said about, uh, about the water leak and I may have a person for you. So And by the way, chewing gum works uh, in, a, in a pinch. Wrigley's sticks very well. So, so that's right. used to come to Palooza. We were really, all of us, what a group that was, right? We
0: were fucking early on whole stuff. Certainly a motley crew, for sure. But I I still keep in touch with several people. I mean, I I keep keep in touch with Subneet and and a whole bunch of others, Woody, et cetera. Well,
1: Woody's done amazing. Yeah. He's been on the podcast a few times. Subneet's been on the podcast, fucking running power technology. Really smart group of weird people that were all kind of indirectly in fintech. So what was the most exciting part of Stripe for you? Was it moving to the M&A side? What What was the most fulfilling part?
0: I'd say the beginning was the most fulfilling. I mean, the first two and a half, three years there were a pretty amazing experience from just like breakneck pace growth. The company, you know, was rather, you know, even it was three and a half billion dollars, it was rather small. It was like, I don't know, 150, 200 people somewhere in there when I joined. And, um, you know, it just like everyone was all hands on deck, you know, working on really amazing things. And the partnerships that our team focused on um, were really sort of the... You know, beginning, you know, moments of figuring out the the best way to commercialize some of these products in certain areas. You know, the deals like Shopify and WooCommerce, and then things like um, you know zero on the on the invoice side and accounting side. Like we, our team worked on those and executed those, and they ended up being the playbook for a lot of the largest platform opportunities that Stripe executed. And and so we kind of laid the foundation for that, which is really exciting and frankly probably the most rewarding thing I did there. So, because
1: Shopify is my favorite, and Netflix and Shopify and Nike rank up there as my favorite company. So, with Shopify, tell me how Stripe, tell the listener, how Stripe helps shop, how that connection works.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's really a uh, I would describe it as a very mutual relationship in that the two companies treat each other like design partners. Um, it's a true partnership. Everything from. You know, the employees that are working on the deals all the way up to the executive teams, um, they're very closely aligned and they work together. And and really what it is, is, you know, I think both sides sort of feed off each other in terms of providing insights into their their strategic goals. Um, And as a result of sharing those opportunities and goals with each other, there's an opportunity together to build great products that match each other's roadmaps, right? And so when you do things in step with each other, you end up with great outcomes. And that's been the case for both companies.
1: So tell me how Stripe works and how then it works with Shopify the win-win scenario how does it all play out where does the money flow
0: Sure I mean what, what's happening is is you know stripe essentially is is building the infrastructure for Shopify to um, accept payments and and make payouts to the the merchants that use their uh, that use the Shopify ecosystem right And so what's happening is uh, when you are a merchant that let's say you know says sells socks you know from the middle of nowhere Ohio, um, you set up a store on Shopify. And when you set up a store, rather than just getting a website, uh, what you're getting is you get a website that has payments and a whole bunch of other financial products um, you know, under the same umbrella. And it sort of just happens out of the box. And so you don't have to worry about things like in the past, you'd have to set up a website. Uh, you'd have to go to um, you know a, a payment gateway like Off.net, and you'd have to integrate that. And then you'd have to set up a bank account. Uh, and then you could actually start to process, you know, your money. But you know, today instead, what happens is, is Shopify is built on top of Stripe's infrastructure. They've white labeled it effectively, and so when you sign up for Shopify, you get Stripe right out of the box, and that's a great win-win relationship because what happens is Shopify gets to focus on what they're best at, which is building these really great tools for merchants to build their businesses. And Stripe gets to do what it does best for Shopify, which is build really, really large scaling payment infrastructure that sounds really boring, but is incredibly complex. And doing that so that Shopify can keep its resources on its main focus rather than, you know, building payment infrastructure, it allows Shopify to do other things. And so that's the kind of, you know, yin and yang of the relationship. Yeah, I
1: got to tell you, I just texted Harley saying he was on my podcast not that he's more important than you, but he was like guest one hundred and ten. I texted Harley that they should change their tagline. Yeah, we increase the GDP of merchants. Are, would that cause a fight internally if they if they went with that?
0: I don't know. That's that's a question for, for that's a question above my pay grade. You're <laughs> Such a diplomat.
1: So okay, so I am not going to get you to bite on anything. The so we'll keep it serious. The the it's the German in you.
0: Yeah, there you go. Well, it's also the, the other thing too is that, I mean I don't I don't I don't I don't work at the company anymore. It's been it's been a year since I've been there. It's hard to say you know for some of this stuff. But look, I think like in in a joking sense, like certainly GDP of the internet, it feels like a very striped saying. And so I don't know if they've ever trademarked it, but uh, I certainly hope they have because it's a it's a great it is a great line.
1: Um. So you go work on that, and then Amazon. How did, how hard would it be to get Amazon to come over the line, or they just get it themselves, or, or was that the hardest deal? What was the hardest? Get them over the goal line. Is it Facebook or Amazon? It's
0: got to be one of the two. Well, there are different types of, of deals. I mean, they, they weren't really using – I've described those two opportunities as so, – so the Facebook transaction, or I should say, you know, deal was really around two things. One was powering some of their commerce work um, and then powering or, or, or thinking about working with them on the Libra initiative, which is a whole other bag of worms. But uh, with, with Amazon, it was uh, actually a bunch of conversations around how they use their products, uh, how they use um, their payment products in places like Asia, um, Southeast Asia, and then some other conversations around them actually working with us with our Atlas program at Stripe, which is sort of this business in a box. You, know, you can basically create a C-Corp um, with a couple clicks. And when you do that, uh, you know, it's a great opportunity for entrepreneurs to create a, a C-Corp very quickly and once you have that, there's a whole bunch of, obviously, things that you need to do when you create a company. And one of them is if you're a, you know, a, a developer-led organization, you have to get set up on you know, your cloud compute. And so getting AWS um, in line and having a partnership where they offer their services at a relatively um, discounted rate to Stripe entrepreneurs was a, was a key piece of the puzzle for us.
1: Genius. I got to say that this is how good Stripe Atlas is because I, I rate everything as could Ellen or I use the product without fighting like ending up in a family fight about how bad, you know, screaming at each other about the printer. There's no printer that has solved the Ellen Howard mystery of, of, of seamless integration. Printers get thrown out of our house weekly, but with Stripe, we had to set up a trust quickly or an LLC for some kind of deal that we did, uh, to screw somebody, probably Canute and uh, to write you out of histories at some point, Canute. And, um, we like fing-pong-fooied for who who would have to deal with opening the Stripe thing. I, she didn't know what Stripe was. And I said, honey, it's, it's easy. And when I say something's easy to Ellen, she's like, oh, God, that's hard. And she she went to Stripe. And like a minute later, she goes, oh, my God, finally, you finally gave me good advice. It, it took her like two minutes. It's a, it's a magical
0: thing. Yeah, it's, a, you know, it was one of the products that I, um, you know, was doing partnership work for, and it was uh, an amazing, you know, thing to watch, right? It's a great, great project to work on. And we routinely, uh, you know, hear that type of feedback, which is great. So
1: you, your run comes to an end. Did you, you love investing because we talk about fintech off and on and, and finally working on something bigger. It was inevitable that you became a VC. Was that something in your blood?
0: I don't know if it was inevitable, but it's certainly for the better part of, you know, my time at Stripe and even before then while I was at Yelp, I mean, I was starting to make angel investments. Um, some of those have, have worked out fairly well. A lot of them were in fintech and, uh, you know, that experience plus the, the my time and, you know, before I had uh, even shown up uh, uh, at Yelp and um, and at Stripe, you know, I worked at Summit Partners, which is a growth equity, uh, you know, shop making investments there and sort of, you know, this, this muscle was certainly there in in terms of my career. And so when the opportunity came to think about what was next, um, it was really, um, I don't know if it was a a foregone conclusion, but it certainly was where I was spending a lot of my mental space. And I was fortunate enough, I took time off when I left Stripe. I left in in, uh, October of 2020, took some time off, kind of turned my email off completely, uh, didn't really talk to anybody and hung out with my family during the pandemic. And kind of came up for air in January and was very fortunate that I had a chance to talk to a lot of investment firms about opportunities. I um, was very fortunate that every door was sort of, you know, opened. And um, for me, the, the the fit of Lightspeed was uh, was really there. It was a, a perfect opportunity. You know, they are a firm that is global in nature. They're multi-stage, great brand. And they have made uh, fintech investments like Affirm, Blend, um, and Carta, um, you know these are fantastic companies, but they didn't have somebody that was focusing their time exclusively on fintech. And so when they kind of reached out and said, look, we're looking for someone to own this full stock uh, within the firm, you know the, the fit for me really made a lot of sense. and so I was really excited to join and I've known a lot of people from a lot of the partners there for for many years and so I was thrilled to join.
1: And so you get to build out a team, a true fintech team, inside uh, at Lightspeed.
0: That's correct. Yeah, and and I'm based in on the East Coast, and right outside of New York City. And so I'm I'm in the midst actually right now of, of looking for office space uh, to plant the flag, you know, more formally. And we're hiring people. We're going to hire probably two or three people here in New York um, over the next you know six to twelve months, and and maybe a couple other folks in San Francisco um, over the longer haul. But fintech as a as a focus area is uh, very very much getting up and running and, and, and happening. And as, as you discussed, like we're making investments. We happen to, to be doing one together um, with Paidoff, Off. And, um, you know, we recently announced our, our investment in Alloy, which is a, a later stage deal, um, a company that's based in New York. that's in the kind of identity verification and uh, decision space. But, um, you know, we're, we're here, we're FinTech native, and we're really excited about it.
1: Yeah, it's I'm so excited. This is like, you know, I feel like an old uncle because of Stocktoberfest and all the events and all the early fintech when there was no do it yourself, right? Like in 2014, when we met, I'm not thinking about Shopify, I'm definitely not. I definitely knew Stripe. I wasn't thinking about how big Shopify would be. Um, obviously, none of us knew about COVID, but like Robinhood was just starting and Plaid, I don't even know if it had been founded. Yeah, it obviously had been founded. So, like, I think you needed Plaid for this to work and then you needed stripe for luckily for this e-commerce to be this tight so now here we are and this is what i want to now focus on as a future it feels so crowded so obviously it isn't because you have a lot of experience and you wouldn't do this unless you were still bullish but to a guy like me who was like in and so early in hindsight like i didn't didn't feel early it just took forever I'm kind of like the old grumpy guy. And I'm like, what else could be done? So what gets you excited? Obviously, we'll talk about, you know, alloy and pay it off. But what gets you excited about, you know, in a world where we've just had such a good run and everything's connected? Is it just the idea of the GDP is still just going to grow and that's your macro pitch? Or is there some unique feeling that you have around a specific area?
0: I think the, the the you know the concept of the GDP of the internet certainly is a big piece of the the macro picture here for fintech. I mean look like I, I think the 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 way to think about it, or at least how I think about it, is um, there is a proliferation of um, fintech companies starting, and there is a proliferation of companies like software businesses that are embedding financial services in their in their businesses. And so as a result, um there's this large trend inclusive of you know payments and things like plaid where you're you know you're 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 doing authorizations on on bank accounts and stuff there are these pieces of the puzzle that enables these businesses to start right like to start a neobank right uh you have a whole bunch of things that you have to build on top of right you have to build on uh, with uh, with an issuing platform you have to have you know a sponsor bank uh you have to enable some sort of uh payment infrastructure at some point in time likely and so with with this, there's all these uh, on, the, on the kind of like above the water, you have all these new types of fintech applications, financial services, embedded finance applications happening. And all of those companies that are starting, that are trying to build some sort of, whether it's consumer-facing tool or business-to-business merchant tool, um, they're having to build on top of infrastructure. And so underneath the water, you have all these really interesting frankly no named companies right companies like stripe companies like lithic companies like alloy that your average consumer has no idea that they exist Correct. but they are crucial to to actually enabling this fintech economy to exist right and so without plaid you know every consumer facing fintech application that has been created since you know plaid Yodley, et cetera, etc has existed um, could not happen without essentially the ability to connect to a bank account, authorize that bank account, and then move the money via an ACH transaction, right? Yep. Those applications could not happen. And so, you know, that stuff is really critical, right? And so there's all these picks and shovels and infrastructure that sits in this kind of very, very unspoken place. And look, that stuff's going to be exciting because I don't think we are anywhere near the end of the road for the, for the growth of this stuff, right? Like we know that payments by itself... Is in the very, very early innings of what I think is a probably 20-year secular trend, maybe longer. And the amazing thing about payments on the acquiring side, you know, acquiring is what Stripe does primarily, but they've also now gone into the issuing side. Issuing on a dollar-for-dollar dollar basis is actually bigger than acquiring, right? So you have two sides of the of the of the payment ecosystem that are absolutely in the most earliest stages. And so I think we have a lot of room to run, and uh, there's a ton of asymmetric upside which uh, Lightspeed and, and myself are incredibly excited about.
1: Canute, get my checkbook. This is why I do the show, not for anybody else. But for me, I had the Carbon Health guys on. I don't know if you know Aaron or Russ Frayden, but I had Aaron, the founder We're on. Twitter it. friends, but that's about it. Yeah, amazing people introduce you. But every day you wake up and you read the newspaper and it's like, ah, inflation, inflation, inflation. I get it. It's been fucking brutal. Uh, healthcare and education and before that, banking. And, and look what APIs like Plaid and Stripe and all this stuff does to to bring down the banks. And I think the next thing is going to be healthcare. It's so obvious now that I see carbon and, and, and all this payment infrastructure built already that can be applied to healthcare once they do the APIs for for patient data and, and a little bit more a little bit more VC money goes into the into the healthcare system once it leaves social and web 2.0. Um, I'm pretty bullish. Even though we've had such a good run, I'm like you, I'm like, it's hard for me to get bearish when I feel that the deflation is about to finally start working towards, you know, we're definitely could see it in education. Like you, you, as a parent, you can make a choice to say, you know what? Fuck the system. I'm, I'm going to homeschool and I'm going my kid doesn't need to go to college. Fuck it. We'll, we'll get him a job in sales and let LinkedIn do its work. Like you got recruited, right? You go work at a great company, you'll get recruited, but healthcare has to happen. But that's a great take that you have on fintech. So with fintech, uh, I remember passing on Ally. It was probably like price and it was a weird found. It was like a weird cap table at the beginning. I remember showing it to Roger Ehrenberg. But those guys grinded, 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 grinded. And this is another lesson. It just got hot over the last year or so, would you say?
0: Yeah, no, I, I think I think the last two years, um, look, the, the, the founders, Tommy, um, Tom is amazing. and Charles are, you know, they've been working together for a long time. Um, the, the initial, you know, start of that was certainly, you know, probably took them longer than they'd like to get the business up and running, but they're grinders. And I think like that characteristic alone is one of the reasons why we were so excited to lead their Series C, because they sort of have this mentality of just making, you know, shit happen, frankly, right? Like get through it and and make it work. And so it's been a, a run of five, six years for them. And, you know, I think now they just got to a place where one, the product is where they wanted it and the market needed it to be. And two, the market is now growing in a way with, you know, this, as I mentioned, this proliferation of all these fintech businesses, all these financial services and all these banks, frankly, that use the product too, that are, are starting to modernize their technology stacks, right? And how they do business. And Alloy is is essentially a absolute key piece of that FinTech stack that you have to have, financial service stack that you have to have. And so they're sort of the right product at the right time. And so we're, we're very excited to, to back that team and ride that trend with them.
1: And so what does it do specifically?
0: Yeah. So Alloy's primary product is an ID, it's an identity decisioning platform. So think about it this way, when banks and fintechs are onboarding consumers, they have to go through a, uh, for regulatory reasons, they have to go through a KYC and AML process that, uh, you know, involves them making sure literally, you know, KYC, know your customer and AML, anti-money laundering, where they actually have to verify who that customer says, you know, that they are. And so when you go through that, it's actually quite a difficult problem to solve for because, you know, there are other people in the world, hilariously enough, that maybe are named Howard Lindzen or Justin Overdorf. I don't know if there's many canutes in the world, but there might be. in so, Norway? <laughs> in Norway, right? Exactly. Yeah, there's a thousand. But, but the point is, right, is like, is that you have to verify that those people exist and that they are who they say they are. And so to do that, you have to, in the past, what the past looked like was basically uh, spackling together a whole bunch of services that checked IDs, ran names against databases, checked IRS records, looked at SSNs, looked at EINs for businesses, And, you know, all of this stuff is is, was kind of held away in all these different pots of data sources. Well, what Alloy came around and did very intelligently was they said, listen, this is a common problem for all these companies that are building. Why don't we go around and build the integrations to all the data sources? So they've now built connections to, I think, upwards of 200 data sources that are used to ID and verify an individual for onboarding purposes. And so instead of having to build 200 sources, Um, You know, if you are building a consumer facing fintech app, you just have to integrate with Alloy and they solve all of your problems. And so their entire software infrastructure um, essentially allows you to onboard customers, verify them, and specifically onboard the customers that you want and turn away fraudulent or nefarious customers that you do not want and and avoid things like false positives, which are very costly.
1: Yeah, that was a Techstars one, wasn't it?
0: I believe they were Techstars, yes, in New York.
1: Yeah, I remember looking at it because I was doing a lot of stuff back then. I don't know if it was Tarhini's class or before that with Tish.
0: I don't think they were a Tish class.
1: So anyways, congrats. I, you know, I see him on Twitter. Those guys are just, uh, I passed for the wrong reason. Meaning like cap table, like I thought they, they weren't going to make enough money together. And that was the exact wrong reason. They've proven to stay together and, and be a great team. And the market came finally is is coming to them. And so let's talk about another company that has taken a long time in the creepy world of college finance and incumbents. Um, I met Bobby through, I think Russ Frayden made an introduction, I don't know, through Chime or whatever. And I immediately just thought he was a super smart guy, but I I invest for different, you know, know, I'm not an infrastructure person per se, but when I met Bobby and he was solving the college payment and debt problem, I was like immediately intrigued. So what is it about Bobby or Pay It Off that excited you?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, what what Pay It Off does is they're sort of building infrastructure for the student debt industry. But I think that the infrastructure that they're building is largely applicable to, frankly, all debt, all all kind of, you know, credit opportunities. The big picture here is you have a student debt crisis, right, where you have, you know, I think it's something like, um, you know, consumer debt in the United States has reached something like, you know, $15 And on the student debt side specifically, I think we now have something like around $1.5 to $2 trillion of, of student debt, which is the most you know, in history that we've ever had. And the pandemic um, certainly didn't help things in the context of you know, the, the administration's policy of, of sort of halting all payments was certainly a, a relief to the borrowers, but it doesn't you know, remove the loans, right? It just stopped the payments. And so the way to think about what Pay it Off is trying to do is... They're trying to do two things. One, they're building infrastructure that connects uh, pipes, basically, that connects the borrowers, the lenders themselves, and the servicers, so all the kind of players in the, in the ecosystem. And really what they're trying to do is they're trying to build the pipes to make it so that it's easy to understand what your debt is doing, understand the big picture, and certainly then obviously to pay it off. But the unique insight here that, that I think Bobby had, and, and this comes from Bobby's ex- own experience with student debt, which is why I think the opportunity spoke to me so so deeply, you know, Bobby had his own student debt issue and he, he had to figure it out and what he realized in that process was there are all of these public and private student repayment programs that you know if you are in a certain uh, career and you have debt of a certain level and make salary of a certain you know, under a certain level, you qualify for a whole bunch of programs that will help you actually pay down your debt right And to do that though, to get access to that money, you have to do all these applications and it's a really, really cumbersome process. So the big picture is Bobby and the paid off team are, are sort of thinking this from the perspective of, okay, well, if we help, uh, if we help the lenders help the borrowers, this is a win win situation. So it's, it's a kind of mutual aligned opportunity where you build these pipes and then you build uh, infrastructure that really auto applies and then enrolls consumers in a lot of these uh, debt repayment programs. And what that does, you know, conceptually, if you think about it from, a, you know, how does this actually work? Well, let's say you have, uh, you know, $25,000 worth of student debt with a um, bank and the bank says to you, you log in one day and you're checking your balance and say, hey, uh, you know, by the way, would you like to apply for a student repayment program? And you click the answer, yes. And then within a blink of an eye, you've just sent off a bunch of applications to all of these programs. And maybe in a couple weeks, You'll get information back that says, by the way, you qualified for a reduction of 50% of your loans. And so from a consumer perspective, Imagine. how amazing of an experience is that for you to experience that with the lender, right? The lender is basically saying to you, I'm going to help you lower your debt to us, right? And the reason why they want to do that, and, and then pay it off, by the way, is enabling all of that. They, they make that all possible. But pay it off is saying, listen, if we can help lenders improve borrowers' experiences, what is the long-term impact on the relationship between the lender and that consumer? And the answer is it's it's incredible because if you help a consumer get rid of their student debt faster and in a way that, that creates a high NPS score, what is the probability that that consumer is going to come back to you for a whole bunch of other financial service needs that they have in their life, including getting a mortgage, buying a home for the first time, which is some of the most profitable and very key pieces of the financial service industry right but those are long- term 30-year agreements right And so uh, you know this this kind of opportunity for pay it off to align the incentives between the borrower and the, the lender and then create this relationship that ends up where the borrower you know views the lender as a net positive as opposed to a net negative which I think traditionally has been the case with with, with student debt and servicing it's an incredible win-win and so bobby and the team are building a great business i'm super excited we led their it's it's a series c technically um because they did a pre-seed so it was, that's the round we all invested in this is a series seed um and we are excited to be off on the races with them
1: yeah i see it well dude i'm so lucky to be working with you i mean i feel i think russ who introduced me i met bobby and i was like whoa you know as a guy who didn't have those problems luckily I heard his story and I'm like, and I saw the product and I saw how it worked and I saw you were also, so we led the seed, but it was the only fintech company in my portfolio of a lot that like there was no COVID tailwind, yep. right? Like Robinhood, Etoro, E-Toro, Stockton, it was just a miracle COVID in terms of lucky growth or growth that was inevitable that got sped up five years. Whereas with pay it off, it was like Bobby just had to deal with Brooklyn and COVID and young family and moving and that business basically on hold. So, you know, really, it was a tough year just like, hey, Bobby, hope you're doing well, not much you can do. Like, well, let's see what Biden says next or Trump says next. And you knew they were gonna kick the can down the road. So uh, it's fun that you guys are helping steer the ship with him, but he's a great leader.
0: Yeah, the exciting thing I think about that is there certainly was a you know a hiatus in terms of you know obviously what's going on with with the, the administration in um, the business. But you know, they took it as an incredible opportunity to just put their head down and build all the infrastructure and all the product that they knew they needed to build because of the commercial side had to kind of like take a break for a little bit. But they put their head down, yeah. built everything they needed to build. And so now we know that the the waterfall, the tsunami that's gonna happen with student debt, when the administration yeah. pulls, you know, this stuff back, um, the tsunami that's going to happen and the payments that are going to, that are going to have to hit the, hit the line here. Um, it's going to be a massive, huge tsunami and, and paid off is so incredibly well positioned because they're now, you know, nailing these commercial deals because every bank and every lender and every student servicer yeah. is sort of getting to a place where they know they have to be ready for this massive tsunami and paid off as a solution.
1: Well Knut, you just made Knut's day. He is. he remembers that <laughs> he's an LP. Yeah, I just remembered. <laughs> That's the most excited you get Canute. Uh. The uh, well, dude, quite a career. I'm proud of you.
0: Do you have brothers and sisters? I do. I have a younger brother and sister that are twins, oh. boy girl twins. I,
1: um, obviously not identical. My wife is a twin. So are they best friends?
0: They're very close. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, as the older brother, I was sort of like when they, when they, uh, you know, were younger, I was certainly jealous of the, the relationship. I mean, they did the things that all, you know, twins do. They have their own little language. They're talking to each other and I can't understand what's happening, but they yeah. are very clearly, you know, conspiring against me as the older brother. So um, certainly it's, it's a big piece of the puzzle.
1: Yeah. You got a water leak and twins. You got a lot going on. So um, and are they in tech at all?
0: No, no. My, my brother actually is taking over the family business. So my father is a third generation, you know, uh, owner of an asphalt and, uh, construction business, uh, in Western Pennsylvania. And my brother and, um, my cousin, his, his father, uh, my uncle kind of ran it with my dad. And, um, so now that the two cousins are, uh, going to take it over together. And uh, my sister, she lives in Denver, Colorado, and, um, she's a counselor, a career counselor at a, at a university. Well, God bless the
1: Overdoors. This has been fun to just finally catch up on things. It's like you were head down grinding the growth machine at Stripe. Is it fun to be like a VC? Are you excited?
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's been great. I mean it's um, look it's it's hard work though, right? Especially yeah. in this environment, right? I mean, it, look it's it's a very it's a great job, right? Like don't get me wrong, I mean it's yeah. an amazing job. I get to basically talk to amazing people every day and hear about their goals to change the world um, and and talk about really interesting problems. And that's exciting by itself. And certainly it's an opportunity to, you know, trying to make bets um, that hopefully put your thumb on the scale to make things better. I mean, that's, it's a great job, but it is in this environment, it's incredibly competitive, right? Money is a commodity and it's a knife fight every day. Uh, and, and certainly with rounds and valuations, the way they are coming together, um, it's a hard business. You see it on your side, um, you know, seed round prices have gone up. The round speeds are, you know, getting shorter and shorter Uh, diligence, you know, in a lot of cases, it feels like it's going by the wayside because rounds happen so fast and it's it's a bit of a scary time.
1: I think that sums it up beautifully. I really appreciate you increasing the GDP of my network and the podcast. So thank you. Um, Just so you know. In board meetings, I tend to nod off a little. So just leave at my age, just don't wake me suddenly in a pay it off board meeting.
0: That's all right. I'll just throw something at you. I'll throw a paper paper at <laughs> you. No, if plane, you see yeah.
1: me dozing, it's it's very dangerous to wake a sleeping <laughs> old man. And uh, so just just be nice. Just sure. a gentle nudge. But I'm not ashamed of falling asleep on a Zoom call with my video on. So Justin, I'll probably see you at a board meeting soon. Yes. And uh, we'll get together in New York for Sure. And I'm excited to work on more stuff with social leverage and light speed. So I really appreciate your time.
0: Thank you for having me, Howard. It was great. And uh, it was nice meeting you. Cheers. Nice meeting you too. Thank you. Cheers. There you have it. Another
1: genius young man. Yeah. Where did you find all these geniuses? I'm lucky. I just put the vibe out there. The Highway Linsen open for business. (laughs) (laughs) That still works, huh? The GDP of, of how we I, first of all, it's just a miracle. Some of these products, how the internet works, and how you can buy shit and just have stuff at your house like magically in a day, um, compared to where we were at ASU and it took four hours to get a, a brain freezy drink at a at a pub on on Mill Avenue. Yeah, and um, you know I thought flat screens were the best it could be, but now we've got Netflix and Stripe and Pay It Off sounds cool. I can it you know, excited I though. I I saw a little tingle in your eye. Now I just love it. Isn't it? He's explained it well. He asked me to explain it and people come away confused. <laughs> no, he definitely explained it the best way I've oh heard it so far. Oh, my God. He explained it the way Bobby has explained it to me. And then in Lost in Translation. Howard, Howard plays broken telephone venture capitalist. I scare a lot of people out of our deals because I get excited and then I don't really fully understand how great the products are. But uh, whatever. Larry David. And you are listening to Panic with Friends where I talk with friends like Justin, who are way smarter than me and living a little bit in the future. And Canute uh, and I rap with them. And venture capitalists, entrepreneurs, growth people, leading sales. But people who are, who are pushing the frontier incrementally and sometimes bigly. If you like talking about trends and investing what I say for profit and joy, tune in. You can go to Spotify, Apple or my YouTube channel, Howard Lindzen. Subscribe, and you'll get an alert every time I have one of these shows, which is once a week on Thursdays. Thanks, Knute, for putting this together. Thanks, Stock Twits, for distributing, and we will see everybody next week.